Hello, and welcome to Cosmic Crit. I am Rebecca, and I am here with Drew. Hello. Yeah, and we have the winners to announce for the fan art challenge for June. So we're really excited to announce these winners. We got some awesome submissions and chose kind of a, a variety of winners, I would say. So in third place, we have Aeon Knack, and this was a picture of Knack in his Aeon Guard armor. Yes, not uh, not an MTV show from the mid-1990s, but a new picture of Knack wearing some cool, awesome armor that he wears in the game, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, and I, I, it's the first picture of Knack that we have in that armor, so it's pretty cool to have that. Definitely. Um, and so thank you very much to Simon of Simonstrous Art for that. The I mean, you made Knack look really awesome. <laughs> Our second place uh, is the title Bork Bork. Yes, that's right. Submitter Alex Swan submitted Mr. McScruffins in his dragon costume from our April Fool's episode, and he looks ferocious and adorable. Bork Bork! Yeah, and he has a candle in his tail, and it's adorable. (laughs) And finally, our grand prize winner is the Starfinder Salute by Professor Otaku, and this was a hilarious picture of the entire crew where everyone, not just Raimi, Everyone is giving the finger. And um, I thought it was especially humorous because looking at Alindra, she's not giving the finger. And then I realized her moat is giving the finger. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the next alien archive. Maybe the armory. What, the moats can give fingers? Finger moats. Yep. Uh, So we will have all of these posted on our website at CosmicCrit.com, so be sure to go and check those out. They were awesome. Yeah, and I just want to say to to listener Jonathan, i got to be honest with you, buddy, we really loved your picture, and we're going to include it as an honorable mention, but Robob is always going to lose. Oh. He was pretty cute, though. He was adorable. Yeah. The, maybe the maybe if we had had that mental image of Rob Bob from the start, we wouldn't hate him so much. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, the fan challenge for July is now in flight, and it is a little bit simpler. It's the cussing competition, and we're looking for new cuss words and expressions. Um, I keep thinking, like, well, butter my biscuit or something like that. But, you know, spacey for Starfinder. So send us your swears, send us your cuss words, and your expressions that we can use on the show. And as you know, we use pronk and fleam a lot, but that's a little bit limited. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 44, Valis in Wonderland. Last time on Cosmic Crypt. The crew cautiously explores the mold-covered Securitech building. Jeez, these doors won't budge. No computer is safe from the ultimate hacking team in the universe. Go Team Gnaptus! We found a series of terminals where we were able to determine the final location of the temple found. We take down the swarm with the rule of cool. Swarms. Why did it have to be swarms? 
the crew fought a glob of mold, effectively killing the support structure of the building. As the building fell down around them, Raimi quickly got use of his new teleportation skills. Go, go, grappling, go! The roof, the roof, the roof is all rubble. Wait, have I used that one before? Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Greetings, Bookhouse Boys, Bobs, and Black Coffee Enthusiasts. This week, your heroes in the FBI investigate the Temple Found Lumber Mill in their search for answers in the small town of Twin Peaks. Hi, my name is Patrick, and I am your GM, your one-armed Gerard-slash-Mike spiritual guide, and I am asking you to blazing orbit firewalk with me into this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. Joining me in the Pew Pew Bar for some dancing and fights are my five friends and deputy sheriffs. To my left, this red-suited little man better not speak backwards all night. It's Drew playing Max Israk. Oh, that's so weird. To his left, maybe in 25 years we'll finally find out what happened to Andis 146. It's Jabert playing Andis 147. I haven't watched this show. I've only listened to the Adventure Zone Amnesty. Across the digital table. Good news. That gum you like is going to come back into style. It's Miles playing Raimi. It's a damn fine cup of coffee. To his left, who's that lady with the laser? Why, that's the laser lady, of course. It's Rebecca playing Alindra Vallis. <laughs> Hello. And finally, to my right, a dullard, a dolt, a chowder-headed yokel. It's the blithering hayseed that is Edros. Baronis, played by Tyler. If you're gonna keep complimenting like this, I'm gonna blush. I, I reversed it because I didn't want to call Tyler dumb. <laughs> you can call me dumb. It's okay. <laughs> uh, hey everybody, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Doing pretty well. That old chestnut of Twin Peaks gonna come into effect tonight. Very excited. Ooh. We ended the last episode with a bit of a barn burner and electrifying into the Rither Swarm. Mm-hmm. And a pretty action-packed escape from the collapsing building, and somehow I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But you all are still alive right now. Yay! <laughs> what, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Where, where's my failing as a game master? Uh, I, you know, we rolled the right saves at the right time for uh, sure. Yeah, Just yeah. Lucky. Those those fortitudes came through in the clutch. Oh man! Don't even don't even get me started about how many fortitude saves you guys made. That was I think it was a DC twenty, and you're just knocking them out of the park. There were a few that we failed that are assuredly going to come back to haunt us later. No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, nah, you'll be fine. <laughs> come and see my mold babies. <laughs> oh no! That just sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, uh, Tyler, not everything that get makes you take a fort save is pregnancy. It's all, like, it's all pregnancy. Every God, I hope, I hope Patrick's like holding and in laughter and was like, "Ha ha, you're pregnant." Yeah, I'm so sorry. This time he's 100 percent oh, right. Mold babies, here we come. Mold baby. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the city of Estimac, the best mold babies the side of the universe. We, I, so last week I told you all, you know, I was really worried that one of you guys might bite the dust in that episode because I mean, I made that escape from the building a little harder than it needed to be. But surprisingly to me, 
the the trick to escaping with your life is kind of sticking together and helping one another out. And yeah, nobody got left behind and buried under the rubble of the building. Yeah. 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 I mean, it only took a few. I mean, there were, I mean, we dodged a lot of debris falling on our head and only would have only would have taken like a few failed reflex saves to, you know, be knocked down by some rubble. And you only get like, what, yeah. two, we only had two turns per room to really get out of there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think, I think we ended up with like six full turns, which, you know, when mm-hmm. we're talking about the, the game, that's nothing. That's less than 20 seconds to, to run out of that building. Yeah. But as it's written, I think that part of the scenario you know, if one of you had just cut and run and left everyone else behind, it, the, I mean, that could have spelled disaster for the party. So sticking together, you guys did pretty, pretty great job. I, I, I actually was really, really worried about Adros when he couldn't get over that first <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah, oh, when man. he failed, that... <laughs> failed that check. It's like, well, how many more ones is this fool going to roll? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no. I, if you at least once more. One, if you had failed another one, you would have been buried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In like the back. which would have I mean, which would have been terrible. But I was kind of interested in the mechanics for being buried. So, uh. oh, we'll we'll bring them back. Don't you worry. We'll, oh, good, we'll good. Some good. oh boy. I, I would hate to waste. You know, these developers at, at Paizo they they come up with all these wonderful mechanics, and to not yeah. use them would be a waste. So exactly. All right. So let's just rewrite the last five minutes of yeah. last so, week's episode. <laughs> Please bury me, senpai. So, but let's get back into it. Let's get back into. This week's game, first, just quick recap last week. So you did survive. You escaped the Securitech offices in the Broken Lands. Edros, unfortunately, left that grappler behind <laughs> in, in the rubble as you made your hasty escape from the building. So mm-hmm. now that it's time to leave uh, these floating islands, some of you are kind of stuck without a way to get across. What's what's your idea on how to get back to the mainland? So, uh, so Nax still has jetpack fuel. Oh yeah, you're fine. Uh, and as, as does Andis probably, right? Yeah, I think the best idea might be for Nack and Andis to jump over, go grab the ship, and then bring it back, and then just sort of you know park it in a hover position over the island and let everybody hop mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's take take Alindra with you just in case you. Well, can Alindra fly? Yeah, she's I got she's jets. got jump jets. Yeah, and enough charges because I've been counting to get back across. <laughs> do, do, okay, okay. Does Alintra have any new abilities with her Solarian gravity attunement stuff that she could toss Adros her jump jets that still have fuel so that he can jump over while she a, uses a some... great question. Alindra, do you have throw vesk? <laughs> Did you take no. throw vesk at level eight? No, that wasn't an option at level eight. I mean, I think yeah. I have to be like level sixteen before that opens up. I thought you had some sort of fly ability you were telling me about. No, like I don't have fly. Yeah. I I opted not to take defy gravity. Oh well, there we go. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and even if you could get me over, I mean, Ramy would still be stuck. So this way, at least Ramy and I are here in case something. You know we can defend our we can defend each other in case something comes up over here. You three go to the ship, and you guys are more than capable of defending can yourselves. I and just go ahead and, and uh, splitting the party. Can I cut you off and and not 
<laughs> take some time here. You guys can just call the goblins and they can bring the ship over. You know that, right? No. That's no. a fair point as that's well. That's always an option. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't you know what? I, crash you know what? the ship into one of the islands. I take my my uh, my custom rig, which is uh, acting as a uh, a planetary comm unit now, and I just like call them up and I just say like, "Hey, uh, can you bring the ship around?" And uh, I don't wait on anybody else to to <laughs> say yay or nay. I just say like, "Yeah, yeah, you guys got it. I believe in you." Yeah, yeah. Cattywampus uh, <laughs> is like, "You can count on us." And it's not but 10 minutes later that the Drift Rider appears above the island uh, very wobbly <laughs> as it's, you know, kind of just like uh, starting and stopping like every 100 feet or so. <laughs> it's like they're banging on the, the brakes. It's like it's like when you start driving and you're like, gas break, gas <laughs> break, gas break. <laughs> it's what they're doing. As it's positioning above you, you hear a, a very loud scraping and, and metal rending sound as one of these floating islands tears off uh, some of the paint on the starboard sh- side of the, the ship. And, oh, and Bun wait. Fuzzle immediately gets on the comms and says, Landing procedure initiated. We're all set. <laughs> I called that one. <laughs> Uh, so you guys making your way back on board? Yeah. Yes. Quickly. Right. So <laughs> you can take back over the controls, Raimi. <laughs> yep. And as you all make your way back to the mainland, uh, you can go back and park on the, the, the landing pad. And it's about a half hour to march back across the island to where you left to Zail. And, and she greets you emerging from the the opposite side where she expected you to come from. She was in a set of buildings, ruined buildings. She says, Excellent. Many hours still to spare. You all look half dead. Should should we wait and rest before heading to the hunting grounds where Hoifek has made camp? Yes. Well do Probably we need to do we need to signal to Hoifek to let him know that we have the stuff so that he doesn't excommunicate you again? Oh yeah, no, she's not talking about like a night's rest. She can cast spells on you. She can do some yeah. cure spells if you guys are really hurt. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she'll place a dainty hand on your, your foreheads or two hands on... Is anyone, like, really hurt into HP or you guys are okay? I still am down 9 HP. I'm, I'm okay. down. So that's, that's back up. I'm yeah, down. I'm still, like, halfway through my HP. Yeah. She's got a, a few spells for just about everybody. So no worries there. So so we've maxed out on, on SP and HP. Can she do anything for resolve points? So she, she can't heal SP, but if you guys wanted to take, after getting off the island, a uh, resolve point, 10-minute rest, and you can get your SP back. I would like to. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, me too. Right. So, you know, you maybe take 20 minutes with her healing, meeting up with Tazale. And she says uh, she'll lead the way into looks like a pretty thick, overgrown forest. Um, continuing back into here is where she says Hoifek will will have his camp. And the six of you walking at a very brisk pace, uh, you can see that th- there were some buildings in here, maybe at one point, that, that they've all been overgrown. And this is the part of the island at the center of Nijior that looks like a, yeah, just like a giant green expanse. I just thought it looked like Central Park. It it does. And as you're walking through, you notice dozens of types of you know, trees, flora uh, that sprout here. And 
they look very different. Even just like taking glances at them, they, they seem like they might be from all kinds of different climates or perhaps even planets. It seems like a pretty thick maze, but you notice that Tazale seems to be walking assuredly along what seems like a, a hunter's path made through the forest. Does this uh, seem intentional or is it like, I mean, you said it was overgrown, so it's like wild? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very wild. Perhaps at one point it was a little more organized, but it just seems like everything is kind of mixed up together. So you'll see something that looks like a cactus maybe next to a coniferous tree, you know, mm-hmm. just not a lot of rhyme reason, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just growing right next to one another. Uh, while you're walking beneath the canopy, fortunately, it is deathly silent, and none of you hear, stalking up from the side of you, a small four-legged beast. It growls in your direction, and in the dim light here, you see it is an Eohai, one of these creatures that you fought back in the House of Renewal, mixed between a, a lion and like a, a monkey, a small creature, but pretty ferocious. What do you guys want to do? Uh, does it seem to be, like, is, did you say it's menacing growling at us, or just kind mm-hmm. of... Yes. Um, I asked, uh, Nack asked to Zale, uh, we ran into to, to some of these cats back at the uh, at the other temple. Is, do, you, do you have any... But apparently they're tamed by hunters. Uh, do you have any experience in taming one of these things or uh, or getting it under our control? Yeah, she puts out like a, a steadying hand in your direction, not even looking back at you, just staring at the creature. And she says to you all, do not move. We have encroached on this one's territory. If we move into attack, her pack might swoop in to defend her. Let me handle this. So she puts out her hands before her, moves forward, and uh, one hand slips up to her temple. You can hear under her breath her saying something, but you can't really make it out what exactly she's saying. Raimi, it seems, with her hand gestures and, and the words, she's casting a spell. And as she speaks, the, the Eohai narrows its eyes and kind of closes its mouth and eventually loosens its posture. And Tazeo closes the distance between herself and it and then strokes the creature's pelt and looks back at you all and kind of gives a a kish smile and says, We cannot alter the balance any more than it already has been here on Istamek. If we kill more than we need, we go hungry. We do not hunt. They will breed themselves to death, consume everything. The hunt masters execute the designs of the curates, and the island turns and faces a brand new day. She lets the Eohai scamper off and continues and says, Come, we we do not have much further to the camp. The forest opens into low fields besides a large body of still water, maybe a hundred feet wide. Tazale is greeted, as you all are, by a few of the hunters you saw in Hoifek's party. And you are all ushered to a tent made of an ancient kish material patched and, and cared for and adorned with very similar paintings of the kish figures uh, you've seen in, in murals elsewhere on the island. These are obviously hunters, and there are depictions of them fighting snakes and Eohai figures. When you enter the tent, Hoifek is sitting with a few of his hunters when you enter and rises to greet you all, nearly scraping his head at the, the top. You have returned from the Forbidden, the Broken Lands, and you have done so alive. The ancestors must show the same favor to you that they do to us. He's looking in your direction, Nack. We got what we went in there for, but uh, unfortunately I don't know that there's much of that temple left uh, for for your ancestors' favor from here on out. 
So the Broken Lands, not one of their temples, is actually kind of like a forbidden place for for the Kish, because it was very dangerous. It, it uh. killed Kish that went out there to prove themselves. Well, it ain't forbidden no more. Uh, I think we took care of whatever was forbidding it. <laughs> he turns to, to Zale and says, I am very happy you will not be ending your life this day, and that these five you have put your stock in are as true as your word as you believed. Tazael says, then you entrust these five to continue in their quest to atone for the others. Will you let them enter the temple found? Let them attempt to expel Zavra. He kind of looks you guys over, expecting you to, to say something here. He seems like it doesn't hasn't made up his mind yet. What have you got to lose? The last time your kind was allowed into the temple found, there was carnage, destruction, an end to many years' traditions. We have everything to lose. When was the last time you let any outsiders in? Uh, he is referring to when the Cult of the Devourer came. Right. And murdered some folks. Okay, if if we go to the Temple Found and we we succeed, you you regain your temple, correct? That is true. And so your best bet is to let us go. And then Raimi leans in clo- closer and just says, It's free real estate. <laughs> free what now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he'll say if... Tazale, if that be their purpose here, it seems neither you nor I nor the ancestors themselves can stop them. Though you have my permission to enter the temple found, I do ask any that you can save or spare the cruelty of entire death, I would be appreciative. We'll try our very best. Alendra chimes in to say, despite our track record so far on the island... We assure you that we will spare any lives possible. But what about Zavra, the Huntmaster? Does he deserve to be spared, or what would you like us to do with the man who has organized and contributed to all this chaos? Tezeo kind of looks at Hoifek, maybe for, for leadership here. He seems conflicted, but he answers, When the time comes, the ancestors will guide your blades. So it doesn't sound like he's, he's too... Uh... He's too thrilled with with Sovereign the Huntmaster. Um, quick question for for everybody: We took the pieces of that uh, motion detector thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we build that before we go? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, 100%. you guys have a, a goody amount of time, so you will be able to rest up before we get to that. Does anybody have any last questions for for Hoifek? Um, is is there anything that uh, any any Kish techniques to to scare an enemy into submission or to or, or any maybe uh, fighting styles or nerve techniques to to knock them out pressure points any kind of a uh, quick way to dispatch them without killing them? Uh, he has lightning fast reflexes, and before you know it, there's a hand like at your throat like in a karate chop kind of action. He maybe makes like a few more blows that you can take a look at. They, they seem like pretty standard humanoid weak spots, you know, right. where there might be arteries or, or things of that nature. He probably does like, it with a strike that far surpasses us too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're Kish are pretty, pretty strong, pretty, pretty big warrior folks. But, you know, he'll like, uh, if we had more time, I would give you all lessons in in Kish fighting. Seems that is something that is 
perhaps lacking in your group. Well, maybe after all this is over. Awesome. So, resting up. You guys, this code that you got from the secure tech building, from the the servers before it, well, before it got destroyed, it is going to last for about another 23 hours. So, you have time. You can rest. What what exactly do you want to do? You have some time before you have to head on over to the foundry. Uh, I w- Nack would like to rest to get his RP back at least, and I want to work t- with uh, with Andis and, and probably Raimi to get this uh, thing built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raimi's gonna also catch forty winks so he can get his his RP and spells back, and then he'll happily help Nack with the uh, motion detector. I mean, I imagine you guys are all gonna sleep <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna be. It's almost going to be like three Nijior six days, uh, three, you know, sunrises. Mm-hmm. Is, is there by any chance like an ancient uh, Kish power source where we are? The ship? Yeah, unfortunately well, the, the not. The ship is like half an lot. hour away. Um, yeah, not not a lot of uh, things that are still up and, and working. From what it sounds like that they've described of the temple found, there, there probably is some electronics that still work in there. But yeah, besides that, when you came to Istamek, your readings were very low on the power scale. Yeah. You didn't see many sites. And, and the ones yeah. you did detect, you pretty sure were like the House of Renewal, the Maze of Ghosts, those places that yeah, still had... Just, just trying to get Endis' batteries recharged. Um, oh, we're, we're definitely going to have to go back to the ship and recharge batteries. The Doshko is yeah. almost out of batteries. You know, it's just... It's just yeah, we, ha- we have to. Yeah, and you can do that, and then you can rest. Do you want to rest at the ship? Do you want to go to Cloudside, where you uh, slept the previous night? Well, Raimi would prefer to... He's He's been missing Mr. McScruffin, so he wants to <laughs> he wants to cuddle up with him in the ship. Nice. Actually, Nack wants to go to the ship, too. I have a, a question for our medical bay. And uh, Ed Ross would also go to the ship for recharging. He also has a ability crystal that he needs to commune with for an hour. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of time to get some upgrades put in, uh, change out some some weapons if you, if you need to. Uh, so I'm guessing you all move together. Do you all want to go back to the ship then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, right, so you can spend some time there sleeping. I don't know if you want to do shifts, crafting, recharging your weapons and your character's batteries. And yeah, uh, before you head out to the temple found one of maybe the next day, Istamek time, one of Tazale's Televet followers greets you at your ship and asks you to come back to Cloudside. All right. You guys okay doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, is it bad form to ask the medical, to get a scan from the medical uh, bay to see if there's anything wrong with us from the spore encounter? Oh, yeah. No, you guys are, uh, a couple of you guys are diseased <laughs> from from the spores attacks, unfortunately. What about those Eohai bites? Are those still a problem? Those as well, yes. I think I have everybody except Raimi has some kind of Istamekian disease <laughs> of some sort. Now, that is something that you are pretty sure since you fixed the rejuvenation chamber in the the house of renewal that you can spend time in there an hour at a time and heal those up um, for Edros and Nack who got smacked with whatever the the spores whatever disease that they carried you have you don't really feel the effects yet but if you do a, a scan in the in the med bay you can tell that there is 
something worming around in your bloodstream. And our med bay's not powerful enough to take care of any of that. It is, but you'd have to, yeah, spend more time there resting and, you know, having Andis or someone else administer care before you're, you know, you basically have to let the disease run its course. Whereas, you know, for a fact that this rejuvenation chamber has magical qualities similar to the remove affliction spell, which is a, a mystic uh, magical spell that allows you to just try and beat the disease with magic. Hmm. Well, yeah, sounds like we need to make a stop at the house of renewal. Oh, how much time are we going to have left if we do that? Because the code only works for, what, probably 20 hours at this point? Uh, nope, you've done a full night rest. At this point, I'm counting at the bare minimum, you have 13 hours left. Each trip into the house of renewal rejuvenation chamber was at least an hour, so... Yes, cool. that would that would shave at least two hours and at most five hours off of our oh. off of our trek. I'm just worried that we're not going to have enough time to get through everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, how f- you can just put it off until you go to the house of renewal, but some of you might get a little cough. Well, well, although I guess I guess if we're in it, if we if we make it to the door and get inside, then we're golden. But. Mm. But there's probably doors on the inside that require the password, too. Some dice you've got to roll. So it's up to you. Uh, so long as you can roll well on these uh, remove affliction spells, you guys probably won't need to spend more than four hours House of Rejuvenation. So it's up to you. What do you want to do? All right. So so you guys want to go to the House of Renewal or take our chances? My vote would be for the House of Renewal because if we get into a boss fight and all of a sudden, like, the disease kicks in... <laughs> probably gonna suck at yeah. the worst possible time yeah uh, that's probably true yeah but patrick wouldn't do that to us <laughs> oh i mean no. i'm counting hours for a reason right now i'll tell you that much yeah you know it's if it can be one of those things where if we're just sucking at these rolls we may have to just bite it and say Ugh, we gotta get going mm. you know but I at least we should try the time yeah let's do it yeah Uh, So traveling to the House of Renewal, you guys can take turns going into the chamber. I think everybody except Raimi uh, has contracted some form of virus, rabies, or disease. Yeah, so he's he's ready to go. Let's let's just go. (laughs) Uh, So everyone else... You go on ahead, Raimi. We'll be right there. (laughs) How'd Raimi die? Uh, So so, Adras and Nack... I believe are probably need to go last because we got bit most recently. Uh, Alindra yeah. and Andis probably need to go first. Yeah, that's fine. Why don't, why don't all four of you, uh, everyone except Raimi, so that's Alindra, Andis, Nack, and Edros, go ahead and just roll me a d20. Oh, man. Who Andis, that Already. was almost bad. <laughs> <laughs> so with the uh, remove affliction spell, you're basically using the caster level of whoever's casting it, plus your, your d20 roll uh, against the DC of the disease. And for both the Nagian rabies, which is the name of the uh, what was <laughs> afflicting the Eohai, and the Rither infestation, which is from the, of course, the swarm that you just fought. Uh, the DC for both was 16. So you guys are all healed. Yes! Everyone's, everyone's rolled a six or higher. So Yay! we don't have to waste more time. Wait, I just want to make a point, though. That Rither thing, they were literally babies, right? Like there was Rither swarms in our in our bodies. Yeah, you would have had to. <laughs> I was pregnant. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, I didn't lie. I if, called it. 
The effect of a rather infestation is if you die from the disease, a new rather swarm immediately bursts forth from your corpse and attacks nearby creatures. Yes. Yeah. Super glad we took care of that right now. <laughs> every every fort save is for pregnancy. <laughs> it's well, canon. It might require another save, but we can come back here after you guys have some exciting adventures. But do you want right. to go on to uh, Cloudside now? Let's do it. Yep. Tazale finds you then uh, as you're walking over. You know, it, the sun is setting once again here. It's one of many sunsets you've seen since you've gotten to Istamek. And she speaks to you all in private away from uh, some of the other Televet Kish and says, Your story is one I would like shared with my people. You have seen things that many Kish have not witnessed. You have returned from the broken lands. Your story will be added to our own. Would you please share it with me and my people? Anda says, of course. And I hand her a data pad with uh, a mystical audio file on it called a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I cast pod upon this uh, this tablet. <laughs> and I hand it. Ah, episodes 39 through 43. A oh, good ones. <laughs> so she will usher you back into the main community center for the, the cloud side kish here. And as you go into this this large chamber where you first met Tazale, there is a crowd of about 25 Kish. Most, uh, some of the followers of Televet that you've seen live here. But you also see a few of Hoifex hunters. And Andis, you see Curate Thedge there as well. She will wave in your direction. Andis waves back. So you guys are ushered up onto a small dais and the stage is set for you all. There's lighting all around. And yeah, they're expecting you to maybe do some group storytelling, an effort that will take a few forms here. It'll be either a diplomacy check with a few of you can can aid on that. Or if someone wants to bluff to try and tell, embellish things, tell of a whopper of a, a fish tail, you can. Either way, this is basically going to be that scene in return where C-3PO is like, you know, recounting the previous two films for all the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, that's immediately what sprung to mind. It's so cool. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, so guys, I've got a plus 17 to diplomacy and a plus 16 to bluff, and I've got uh, expertise die on both of that. <laughs> yeah, and I can use, I can lie. use sidereal influence to get additional 1d6 insight to either bluff or diplomacy. So what are we you doing should, here? <laughs> you, you two should you, you use your diplomacy. You two should tell the tales. Yeah, and, and someone else can can aid as well. Does anybody else want to diplo? I've got plus two to bluff. <laughs> Edros, Ramy, uh, either you got anything? I have um, a plus one to diplomacy. I can actually. I I don't. I I can maybe uh, during the battle scenes. I can. Uh, Ramy and I can pantomime the battles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down with that because I I have plus eight to bluff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. There we go. Okay. So why don't anyone eating? Yeah, go ahead and roll those now. And you know, so long as it's over 10, you have eaten. All right. Now this is the story all about. <laughs> oh, boy, Drew. What did we roll here? Oh, boy, Drew. <laughs> oh, uh, so that is God. a 39 diplomacy check. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What? what? He- 
<laughs> he rolled a 17. Ooh, with a, nice. So very, very high. Uh, so uh, 17 plus 17 plus 5 on the expertise die is 39. <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of all these numbers because that's 39 and you got two people aiding you. So 43, what do you want to to say? Oh, put on the spot. Um, basically, I want to, in, in, as shortly as possible, because we have somewhere we need to be, uh, <laughs> tell the story of us arriving uh, arriving at Istamek and the, the battle where we tried with all our might not to harm the Kish, but unfortunately we, we, we had to for the sake of moving forward and then being taken in and going through the maze of ghosts and the things we learned there and then into the Temple of Renewal and then off to to the 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 I guess the floating islands and broken, broken lands. lands the broken yeah. lands and the 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 fight uh, the electrifying fight against the the beast of the broken lands that emerged from beneath our feet mm-hmm. uh, to attack us and how we are now here ready to go and free the temple found from those that have taken residence in it right, did, so. did they also want to hear stories of from where we came from no they're they're more interested in basically anytime okay. you say anything about the the ancestors people will like really perk up when you talk uh, about going into these you know very ceremonial sites uh, very revered locations and, and what you saw there they're very interested and you you get some clicking some gasps um people like hitting their their mandibles against their face Whenever you, you go into, you know, something attacked you, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they're pretty wrapped the entire time. This was a DC 32, so you have made it. <laughs> <laughs> and after the performance, the people are, are talking. It's, it's it's loud in here. The mood, very positive. Uh, Curate Fedge comes up to you. She's been, seems like, working on something the entire time you all have been telling the story, although she has been listening. And she presents it to you as a group. It is a pair of boots and she says these boots are made with the hide of the eohai you may wear them gain their strength and it will grant you their speed and taking a look at these these eohai boots are indeed magical it gives you the the monsters like pounce ability basically <laughs> what pounce mm-hmm. ability just one pair just a single pair that she was able to recover from the um one of the eohai that you killed in the uh, House of Renewal. So, Patrick, why don't you tell us about the pounce ability? So, eohai boots, uh, insides of them look like very simple gray boots lined with eohai fur. Once per day, as a full action, you can move up to your speed and make a full attack with melee weapons. And this will give you a negative six instead of a negative four. And you take a, a little negative two to your uh, your armor class until beginning of the next turn. Magical hmm. items. I think that's up Alindra's alley myself. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's gonna be either Alindra or Adras, but well, but you you get the flashing strikes, so you will even take less of a penalty than me. So you're gonna have more of a chance to hit with it. That's true. So I would. That I, means I, giving up a magical item. Okay. Oh no. Mm-hmm. As you are are talking about these boots. One of Hoifek's warriors approaches you as well after, and with a, a wide sweeping bow, uplifts his bow and arrow in your direction. And you notice that this is the young Kish that you let go from the landing pad. Oh. With his weapons and in front of him, he says, I thought you were monsters. And when the ancestors themselves seem to have sent you here to fix the hate and evil that the other showed. 
I apologize. My friends were twisted in the healing chamber at the House of Renewal, but the ancestors saw fit that you healed that child, my niece. And for that I am thankful. Please, it would honor me if you took my weapon, wield it in battle against our mutual enemies. And this is a Kish battle bow, an advanced Kish battle bow with seeking on it. Oh, see some magical runes etched in the side. That's what awesome. Is, what is seeking? Seeking Seek. is yeah from the CRB, I believe. So seeking um, negates uh, concealment from soft cover. So if somebody is like hiding behind like a you know a barrel or something, it will negate that uh, mischance from them trying to be in cover. It'll just pop them. Mm. I believe that is what it does. So I, I think maybe that should go to to Andis because he has the least amount of ammo right now, and so he'll be he'll have something to do with other than the the batteries that he's got to hoard for uh, the the other charge shot rifle. If it goes if it goes to Andis, he'll have some of the most advanced Kish weaponry in the universe and some of the least advanced Kish weaponry <laughs> in the entire universe. Bow and arrow. Um, yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I will accept them and kind of string it over, over my torso, and I will bow to the, uh, to the Kish and, and thank him and tell him that I will do him and his niece honor. The advanced battle bow is a level eight weapon. It does 2d8 damage, uh, has a range of 120 feet. And of course, it is analog. Uh, it is an archaic weapon, so just like the axe of the Kish that <laughs> Dross got, it will do uh, less damage to someone that is wearing like a space suit set of armor, like you guys are. So, was there any ammo with that? Was there? Are there any arrows? Yes, yes. So you, okay. you've got like an entire quiver. So okay, so like 20, 20 arrows or so. I believe I don't have the CRB in front of you, but we'll say whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Twenty the arrows is like the yeah. Great. So uh, you guys are are sorting through some loot, and as you are, Tazale comes up to Alindra, maybe right after Nax's storytelling, and kind of pulls you aside, uh, pulls your character aside, Rebecca, and she says, "I understand that you are here on your own business, but in the course of but a few sunrises, you all have." begin to set right a great deal of what has nearly broken my people. I I do not believe that this was an accident, but I would like to be sure. I saw the storyteller come to me in a vision weeks ago. It is at a place that my people call the Dreaming Pool, and if it is agreeable to you, I would like for you first to go there with me now before you enter the temple found. What occurred in this vision? I met the goddess. And she directed me, and that is where I saw your face before I ever saw it. I agree that this does not seem to be an accident. I will talk to my crew and plan to go there with you. It is, um, and she can describe via, you know, maybe a, a map drawn in the the dirt, kind of along the way, so she can go along with you and the rest of the party before you head out to the, the temple found. How much time do we have? By my count, nine hours. Nine so hours. like an, an Istamekian day. Okay, Alendra would like to uh, talk to the rest of the crew and just make sure that everyone's okay with making a pit stop at the dreaming pool. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is something that 
that we are being guided to that hopefully isn't a trap by our illustrious game master. Say what? <laughs> I I once heard the call of one of the gods, and it has changed my life. If Talavet has given a vision of you, it means that she has taken an interest in you and maybe even wants to help you on the path that you've traveled. I think it would be foolish to ignore this. I agree. I think if a goddess wants to see you, you should probably not say no. <laughs> Whenever they ask you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a hike uh, back into the woods, almost in the, the same place where you met with Hoifek, but uh, a little further east. Uh, the place that Tezeo describes when you get there, you see it as another massive uh, aquifer, uh, a pool maybe a few hundred feet wide, deathly still, and Tezeo does kind of motion for the, the rest of you to stand back away from the pool's edge when she and Alindra steps into it, uh, maybe ankle deep into a sky that is nearly completely dark. Um, you do see the, the, the distant stars overhead, but one thing you've seen almost every night that you've been here on Istamek is one of a few different moons very far off, but still lighting up the night sky. And as you dip into the water, Tezale says, it was on a night just like this when none of our moons could be seen in the sky above. I disrobed and floated into the center of the water. I was not there for long, but looking back on it now, it seemed an eternity. And when I stirred, I was standing in another place, and that is where she came to me. That is where I met Televet. You see Tezale wipe away some tears from each of her three eyes. She turns to you, kind of straightens herself up, and says, It is an experience that I believe was preparing me for tonight. I am but a traveler as well, and I was meant to guide someone here to this dreaming pool, Alindra. She puts out her hand to take yours and says, Will you join me? Without hesitation. Strip off your outer garments. You will not need them where you are going. They would only weigh you down in the water. She's mainly talking about your armor, which is pretty, pretty bulky uh, golem forged plate armor. Yeah, that's fair. I don't have to be naked in front of my friends, do I? No. You, no. Okay. What, what are you wearing underneath your armor? Your uh, your adventurer's clothes? Yeah. <laughs> Say yeah, nothing. <laughs> Avert your eyes, everyone. Dross <laughs> was allowed to, in his pool scene, wear some undiewears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. I had, I had my... I, I had my leather loincloth that I made from something. <laughs> I thought, no, I thought you said he was naked in that scene. No, no. no but no. That's, that's, not, that's some uh, Raimi revisionist history. We got to see a lot that's for sure. No, All because right. I, th I thought I remember making a point that Raimi doesn't look away. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You didn't make that joke. All right. So Tazale uh, steps forward and will ease you into the water. And she says... You will float free here, and when the spirits see fit to speak to you, you must be ready to hear them. Do you understand? Yes, I am ready. So you're able to float out on the water's surface, and you feel it feels very naturally buoyant here. The water's temperature is a little cool at first, but conforms and matches your own body's temperature, and slowly you seamlessly begin to just become one with this dreaming pool. And you feel it not just on your bare skin, but the water begins to lap psychically inside your mind. Your eyes close and you feel cool tendrils of something reaching out, pulling you. And it manifests 
as you open your eyes again into a, a black surface in your mind's eye, shimmering like the surface of a body of water in front of you, but you're not in it. You're kind of floating above or maybe beneath the surface of, of uh, water. Looking around here, you see another figure stooped over. It is a kish male who seems to be working very hard at something, uh, kneeling down, his, his back turned. You can hear slow rhythmic chanting. Hey, hey, oh. Okay, so it's just like grunts. It's not language. Mm, yeah, not something you can understand, but it's, he's very far away. You'd have to get closer. Yeah, I've... I'd like to approach cautiously. Uh, yeah, so looking over his shoulder, he looks to be, yeah, vigorously doing something with his hands in front of him. You're coming up on his backside, and as you get closer, the words begin to form, and he was speaking in the vulgar Kish language. But it, you can start to understand the words he says are, That which does not kill shall be killed. Those who show mercy will not receive it. Pain is all the existence we deserve. Death, the only end. As you get closer, you see this figure is standing over a body. Body of a, a young male Kish warrior. He has carved with a hunting knife into its flesh dozens of wounds in its skin. And looking at them, you can tell they take the form of small accretion discs. As you're looking, he turns and seems to notice you, but seems confused. He's a very tall Kish, and as he's looking around in all directions, he draws his weapon, a large longsword, sharp razor sharp, and a, a very advanced looking pistol. And as he does this, you see Solarian armor manifest across his mismatched real set of armor in a bright orange color. He steps forward in your direction to, to slash at you, but as he does, he just turns into smoke and, and disappears. And the scene changes. Now you're you're in actual space. It seems like it is the barren and windswept reaches of Calithu 7, the planet you explored with Master Pasilar. But as you look around, it seems different, maybe more alive. And, and you see some, some plants clinging to the gray rocks, maybe little bugs. What do you want to do? I'd like to inspect some of those plants and bugs. Yeah, they. it does seem like there is life here. But when you were on this planet, it was... It was certainly a, a dead rock. As you're wandering around this space, you, you see a small encampment, a few tents, some large containers. I'd like to look at the encampment. Can I tell, are there any people there? Yeah, no, as you're just thinking about it, you kind of transport. Now you're in the, the center of the camp. You don't see anyone. It seems pretty empty, but uh, from behind you, someone comes walking across the camp and... Yeah, it's it's startling. You seem to see a younger version of yourself step from one of the tents. But as you get a, a better look, it is not you, for it is actually your mother. Likewise, a Demaya Lashunta woman, uh, a sword on her back, but she has been de-aged maybe 20 years. She is holding in her arms what looks like an infant girl, but she is screaming screaming for your father. She says, Golden! Golden, come quick! Something is wrong! She's not breathing, Golden! She races into what looks like a medical tent, and you can hear your father inside say, Where, Where's her sister? What has happened? What do you want to do? I think Alindra is, I mean, she's stunned, but I think she would naturally go toward her mother and father to just instinctively try to help or, or find out what's wrong. As you move to step inside the tent, you feel a hand rest on your shoulder. Looking around, it is a young and chipper looking 
elf, young elf, the Solarian Penelier, in his youth. He begins speaking something to you, but all you hear is the low, wispy wind blowing through the slate stone canyons and the sound of a crying child. Your father's voice say, There's nothing we can do for her now. She's gone. The scene gets murky and dark, and before you now is the same reflective pool. You're floating above it, and your reflection begins to form in front of you. There's a, a lightning flash, and you're, you're back in your armor, your golem plate armor adorned with the ancient elven ornamentation of Penelier. But as you look at your reflection, your moat isn't the bright blue that you have come to know for the last few years it's a dark red colorization and as you look closer you see that your double here her eyes are completely black the mirror stops doubling you you see a sneer come across her face she says what are you doing here i have the same question for you who are you in this place i am the queen you are foolish to come here alindra in this place we do not hold equal power i have the power where are we? What is this place? This is the nether space where I have resided. You do not know who I am. No, you you look sort of like me. Are we the same person? I am not you, Alindra. I would never be so weak, so stupid. You disgust me. My name is Faluria. You will know who I am. You don't remember anything, do you? Anything about what? I delight in your ignorance. I revel in it. I've been with you since you were a child. With me in in what way? That rocky planetoid that the research team found was just the surface, you see. Beneath the rock, there was a magical force. The starfire that controlled a sun crafted by ancient Kish. It spoke to us both, and it chose me because I listened. I was the first that listened to it, at least. The power that it promised, and I took it. I traded it for my life. As she speaks, her moat coalesces into a huge warhammer, twice her size. And she comes at you, swinging hard, breaking the plane of the surface of liquid and invading your space. What would you like to do? You are my vessel. You who got all the glory, all the accolades, top marks at the University of Cabaret. She swings uh, her hammer in your direction, spouting off as she tries to make contact with you. You were Pasilar's star pupil, ushered into the Starfinders after a single mission. You didn't earn any of this. How can you say that? Are you saying that you're the reason for that? I... I could have been. It could have been me and not you. While I was here and you were in the real world, I was getting stronger, meaner, hungrier. I subsisted on the psychic energy coming from the sun, and I honed my craft while living inside your mind. Uh, she is trying to go for the jugular. Uh, you are able to dodge a few of her attacks, but she gets a pretty solid connection with the Warhammer into your side, and it starts to shatter the armor there. And you can feel ribs breaking the skin, you know, massive welts forming up. I, can I pull out my solar weapon and fight back? Yes. I, I do that. So alighting your moat into 
a sword. You can swing it back, maybe parry some of her blows. So, so we're sisters? We are nothing, but I would not call us sisters. We have not been that for some time. We were never equals, though we were born to the same set of parents. It isn't your fault you were gifted with mother's fighting prowess and not father's intellect, dear sister. We are not equal. I am better than you. Her solar weapon is dismissed. It uh, kind of fades away. And if you have connected with your blade maybe once or twice from the wounds, a vile black brackish ooze begins to drip from them. The darkness in her eyes drains as well. And you can see she has your eyes green and purple, but reversed. She kind of drops to her knees here and says, So pathetic, dear sister. This this is not the last you have seen of me. I, I will be there with you in the end. Trust, trust me on that. You said that it was a choice to stay. Why blame me for your choice? I can blame you for your ignorance. I can blame you for not being able to see what was in front of your eyes the entire time. Every time you doubted yourself, every time you failed, that was me holding you back. And I will continue to hold you back so long as I exist. I will never let you win. She pushes you, and as she does, the peripherals of your vision begin to fill with water. You open your real eyes, and you are floating beneath the surface of the water. You can hear Tazale thrashing at the, the, the waves you're making coming in your direction. She pulls you out of the water, places a hand on your temple, tries to psychically calm your mind. She says, what has happened? Where did you go? I don't know what I just saw, but my sister, I, I'm, I'm not sure. The black eyes that you saw, that wasn't me. That was, that was her. I'm not sure what it means or what she is or why she's in my mind, but it was her. She quiets you down and kind of like strokes your wet hair. And she says, the, the dreaming pool shows future truths. I, I'm sorry that yours might be somewhat traumatic, Alindra, but... It is best that you know the hardships of the road ahead of you. We're going to let this scene play out here. Uh, the quiet of the dreaming pool kind of envelops the the stars above. Um, the rest of you, the, the other four here, can, can move forward and, and greet Alindra on the banks of the water. A lone Eohai brays in the distance. You guys are able to collect yourself and join back up. And I, so I says to the guy, I never met him before. I, uh, I, uh, Alindra, I know you just probably went through something very difficult, but we need you to get your armor back on and make our way over to the temple found. Yes, of course. I, I'm ready. Okay. Just a, a few uh, inklings are, are tugging at you still, Alindra. Just like a few strands of, of doubt about what lays ahead of you. Is there, is there anything you want to tell these for or maybe talk to Tazale about? I'm not sure she would know how to put it into words what she just saw. I mean, how mm -hmm. do you explain to somebody else that, like, I just found out that I have a twin who's been in the netherworld all this time and is putting doubts in my brain? <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, oh, don't we all have an evil doppelganger out there somewhere that's trying to kill us? I mean, it, it's, it's a tale all this time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's in all of our backstories. <laughs> no, I, I think that absolutely she in her mind is, I mean, even more doubtful of herself than she was before. I mean, like, but also knowing that this is an attack on her in some way, I, I think she's 
trying to quiet that, but I'm not sure that anyone can help her quiet the doubts in her own mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you don't want to uh, tell tell these other four uh, exactly what happened? or I just don't think she would have the words right now. Mm, I'm hitting you with a lot of stuff here, so we can <laughs> we can continue on to the temple found. Here we you go. All, you are rested up, your arm to the teeth. Like, Andis has got a bow and arrow on their back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Laura Croft all over this piece. I, does anybody, I, I was, does anybody I, have war paint on, on their, <laughs> under their eyes? Or, yeah, let's do it. Or a red bandana for Andis to, to go and be... Ando, the uh, oh boy, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like shooting the the crossbow like it's a minigun, just like (laughs) not Um, crossbow, the regular bow, it's a battle bow, the battle bow, like it's a minigun. (laughs) Pretty sure that's how arrows work. So, you you guys can get over here to where the temple found is, and it's something you were able to see from above in the, the ship now that you've passed over it a few times. It's a huge building, massive complex. And as you get to the front of the building, you notice a broken fence surrounding an empty plaza. There is an elaborate non-functioning fountain with a stylized hammer and anvil sculpture in the middle. It stands sentinel here and nothing else really, but you were instructed to go to the back side of the building to a very unassuming side street uh, by Hoifek. This side of the street is where you have been kind of directed. There's a small area confined inside a 20-foot tall covered metal fence enclosure. A close and lock gate stands in your way, and it will require an engineering check to bypass. This is... All this right. has nothing to do with the... Um, ooh, nice. Miles, what'd you get? 27. Uh, yeah, so you're basically... You're not able to pick the the lock, but you can just like take the shackle off the lock and disassemble it, <laughs> and do the the old Fonzie. Hey. That's right, I Fonzie it. Crack it open, and in this area, inside this fence off area, you do see there's some grass and weeds overgrowing what looks like a very narrow courtyard, closed off courtyard, and you see inside um, where Hoifex said it would be a very cleverly hidden door like you would not have been able to find this unless you were really searching for it there are no handholds or knobs it looks just kind of like the the outline of a a door frame maybe supposed to only be an exit except on either side of it are a couple of small moss covered protrusions right right besides the the door frame in ancient kish a sign above it reads security only what would you like to do can I uh, look around to see if there are any uh, traps or anything that to, that might be unexpected? Any kind of other stuff from the rubble to the to the east or mm-hmm. anything like that? Yeah. So if you want to spend you know maximum amount of time just to make sure, looking over the door, looking over the yeah, there's a little part of it that kind of seems collapsed in in the um, eastern corner here. You don't see anything suspicious. Can tell you that without even rolling it. But um, do, do you want to clear off these protrusions? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adros would come up and try and you know get anything out of the way, or mm-hmm. you know f- free up the door for you know the, us to enter this code. Right. So it's on either side. Wiping off the moss, you see a couple of raised sections here, and they kind of unhinge uh, a small door. You see what looks like pin pads in maybe some Kish characters that uh, relate to numbers. 
and on each side of the door, you can easily enter the code that you fetched from the SecureTech server. And when you do, there is a little buzzing sound, and the door swings outward towards you. Inside, you see a pitch black hallway. Can can we use the the now assembled motion detector on the pitch black pitch black hallway? Yep, it's only about twenty feet long. It's a move action to use the motion detector. Who is carrying it? Probably Adras, because he's going to be our frontline guy to begin with. Mm. He does have a two-handed weapon, so it's kind of kind of yeah. difficult to, to operate it. And I mean, this is a tiny hallway, and I'm not very good with tech. So if if Nack or Ramy wants he, to use he, it, you guys are the ones who assembled it. So he passes it uh, passes it to Nack, and Nack will scan the hallway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing. Don't uh, detect anything in the hallway. You do see a door down on the other end. All right, okay. Evie, get in there. All right, I'll I move in and head to the door. It is pitch black awesome. in here. For those of you that don't have dark vision, I'm guessing you just want to have your flashlights out. Yeah, we'll light up everything. Okay. Uh, and you're opening the door, Adros. Yeah, Adros just kind of looks at everybody, gives them the ready signal, and then opens the door. And he will step inside first. So walking into this next room, your dark vision, your flashlights catch and reflect off of almost every surface in here glistens. As you go in to inspect it closer, you notice that everything in this room from the floors to a few tables, chairs, and what look like lockers, every square inch is covered in slime. A door leads to the east and you can see that junk, small pieces of metal and plastic litter the, the ground here, coated in the slime. Can I inspect the slime? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you give me engineering or life science check? Either one. I can assist with that engineering. Sure. <laughs> That'll be a 32. Yeah, you know, kind of uh, feeling it be- between your your fingers. It's a very sticky resin, and you've, you know, you've maybe seen this in, in ship repair as some kind of glue, uh, some kind of major uh, sticky material that they use to, like, bond metal and plastic. It seems very familiar. You are pretty certain that harvesting this stuff, it is slippery and kind of cohesive at the same time. You could probably make a, a good amount of stuff from it, but it seems biological in nature that hmm. maybe something extruded this. So th- we could maybe formulate UPBs out of this? Yeah, not, not necessarily UPBs, but there might be a few specific uh, uses for, hmm. for this slime. Oh, I see, I see. Um, yeah. Nack, check Nack, the motion detector. Yes, Nack wants to check the motion detector. Sure. As you do, you all hear shuffling sound echoing off the walls in the dark here, and what sounds like wet pancake batter being poured from a great height. And turning on the motion detector, you can see it light up to the southeast. Beep, 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 beep. Your lights catch in the corner of this room, a stumbling figure emerge from a side room. I need everyone to make initiative rolls. Uh, right now. Oh, what is that? See. What is that indeed? Uh, so this is this is what we're dealing with here. Oh. Uh, okay, so for our listeners, imagine a, a vacuum cleaner gone very wrong with like a, a, a sack where the oh. entrance of the vacuum usually is. And right. a lot imagine of a Roomba but it's but yeah. its face is made of jelly. I, I, I would say Im- oh. imagine a a malicious 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it looks 
kind of like a puddle of congealed orange juice that is sporting a ton of weapons. You see, it looks, looks like it's got three different ranged weapons sticking out of ablative armor made out of scrap metal, floor tiles, and various bits and bobs of electronics. I'm having a hard time understanding this picture. Yeah, it's a confusing creature. <laughs> I be- it looks like it's some kind of ooze or slime which has taken technological technological bits and just stuck them to itself. We've so- rolled for initiative, and I have not yet rolled for whatever this thing is. I'm going to do it now, live in front of you guys. Uh, At the start of the turn order, and it's 147 with a 23. Nice. I'm going to track and shoot like I always do. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Uh, That's a 26 to attack. Ooh, that is a hit. All right, that's going to be 22 points of damage. And just a reminder, that does sonic damage, correct? Correct. So you let out, yeah, another pulse wave from from your gun. You're only about 15 feet away, and it, yeah, it knocks off maybe an entire plate of its armor, and you see some of the jelly just kind of slosh off. Seem to seem to take a lot of <laughs> damage. It doesn't seem to do any extra damage, but through Nackfeld Spar, you're next. Uh, well, can I just yell at it really loudly? Um, get him! Uh, and I'm actually gonna uh, quick draw my uh, semi-auto pistol from uh, cheek pouch. And can I specifically target an armor plate, or do I have to just hit the the enemy itself? There's not a lot of cold shots going on here, but if you're you're lucky, you might get a a weak point. It seems like a lot of the force of Andis's attack was taken up by these plates, so they are providing some defense, maybe damage reduction. But take a shot, and I'll. We'll, we'll explain where you get what you get. That is a 31 to hit. Gosh, this thing has got such a huge KAC, but that is a hit. Yes, uh, for eight damage. Right, but that bullet hardly does any damage. You see it kind of pop into the, the main belly of uh, the slime, and it doesn't even go out the other side. It just kind of gets trapped in there. Okay. And next in the turn order, Alindra Vallis. All right, I'm going to move. Uh, are these shelves to the south of us? Looks like lockers, yeah, okay. or maybe some benches uh, to the to the south. Okay, I'm going to move down to sort of between the benches or whatever they are, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go toward photon attunement. But I'd like to use crush on this thing. Okay, so Ooh. remind us what crushes have we have? Yeah, uh, this was the cellar revelation that I got at level eight. So as a standard action, I can increase the effects of gravity on the internal organs or workings of a target within 30 feet causing it to have difficulty maintaining its normal functionality. The target must succeed at a fortitude save or become staggered for one round. Um, And this does affect constructs. So crushing this thing, does it get a fortitude save? Yes, fortitude save. Alrighty, I'm gonna roll that. This is its best one. What is the DC on that? 18. Okay, so it has indeed made the fortitude save. I've rolled an eight on the dice. Does that just negate the ability? Negate the yeah, it just stagger? doesn't become staggered, yeah. Okay, so you've moved, done that, and that brings us to Edros's turn. Okay. Um, it's about 15 feet ahead of you. Uh, what do I want to do against this thing? It's disgusting. I can just close the distance. I want to try and get somewhere where my coordinated shot feet can be effective. So I'm going to move just in a straight line right up to this thing and get out the plasma doshko, light it up, 
and take a single take a single swing and let's see what this kind of damage does. Seems like pretty classic edge Ross. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, the deliberating was about. Let's make that attack roll. Okay, that's gonna be a twenty-seven uh, against EAC. That's a hit. Oh, okay, that's gonna be uh, eighteen points of electricity and fire damage. Okay, so you're trying to burn through one of these metal plates. It just has kind of attached to what looks like the bulk of this oozes body and it's it is really hard to burn through the plates but when you do it doesn't doesn't seem to be very effective something in the plasma weapon it seems to have a resistance to write down some damage but it hardly looks like you've scratched this thing would uh dang i mean what does this armor seem archaic at all or is this modern armor it is a mishmash it looks like a like an outer shell on a on a snail or something that is is covering huh. the majority of its body. <sighs> Dang. Mm-hmm. So that is your turn, and it's still not this thing's turn. I've rolled <clears throat> poorer than everyone in the party. Remy Quindar, we're on to Miles. All right. So Remy is gonna turn around the corner and pop up in front of Andis so he can get a clear shot to send <clears throat> a arcing surge at the monster. Okay, so shooting a, a lightning bolt in its direction. Wow, you're on to 10d6. So much damage. Oh, boy. Let's see here. So this is a reflex save. Yes. Not its best save. I've already given away. It's got great fortitude. Let's roll that reflex. Oh. 17 on the dice. Made that save. So oh. what what do you roll for damage? Uh, 36. Okay, so... Half that is 18. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So, yeah, you see it arc through its body, come out the other side, go into this room, lighten it up. Uh, some chairs behind it kind of bursting into flames. It seems to roll with a lot of that damage and still keep going. It is this creature's turn now. It's got Idros right up in front of it. Uh, Tyler, you, you can make an attack of opportunity with a, a plasma doshko, correct? Doesn't have unwieldy. That is very true. Okay. You can do that because it has what looks like incorporated into its body a couple of weapons, and it's going to make a couple of shots at some uh, party members here. Okay. Go ahead and uh, make your attack first. Okay. I'll make my attack here. Uh, that's going to be a uh, not as good 24. Uh, I can see AC. That's a hit. Awesome. So that's going to be 24 points of damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yep, so you bury another hit into it, and it is aiming some weapons. I think one has got to go to you. Landed a few hits now. The other's going to go in Raimi's turn. Well, no. Let's, let's uh, 50 fifth it. Raimi and Andis are right next to one another, so low is Andis. High is Raimi. Ooh, he's going for Andis 147. Hooray, I have cover because Raimi <laughs> stepped in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Raimi. Some, some light cover here. Uh, let's do Tedros first. Wow. Roll real, real low. <laughs> Roll the floor on the dice. Uh, what is your EAC? Uh, 22. Okay, so please. Uh, it has hit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yep. Nice. Uh, That's why I wanted to use this gun. Okay, so this one uh, has landed a shot. It sounds like a massive, heavy artillery laser. Uh, to your trained soldier's ears. That is the dice that I'm rolling. That's going to be 22 points of flame damage. Cool. You see my thermal capacitor light up and try and soak up some of that damage for me. 
And the next attack going to Andis. And 16 on the dice, that's going to be a hit. Four. No! A little more damage, hopefully. Quit shooting me. A little bit. Uh, 25 points of flame damage. Uh, that is its entire turn. It has done a full attack, which brings us back to the top of turn two. Andis, one, four, seven. Okay, as a swift action, I plot ways to kill Raimi for standing in my way. What? Uh, he was giving you cover. No, he was no, he was standing in my way principally. He just <laughs> also gave me cover despite happenstance. I'm going to take a five foot step, one of those uh, guarded steps you hear so much about forward. Take a shot. Same gun, same same action. That's the one. One of these days, I'll get a 20. Jeez Louise. Max! So, let's see. That's a 28 to hit. Uh, That's a hit. Thank goodness, because you want to roll this damage roll. (laughs) Yeah, and I've rolled an 8, an 8, an 8, and an (laughs) 8. So, so I've got 32 plus... Plus two from Knack, or is that is that true? Or? No, I don't. I don't have a. No, not that one. So thirty-two total. Ouch! Ouch! Wow. Ouch! Ouch! Wow! Definitely Oof. some damage reduction in play here, but it takes a huge amount of damage. You see this plate um, that's like guarding its side just get knocked completely off. Oh boy! Ouch! Uh, this is a, this is a very large number. I'm writing down here. Okay, it's still still up. Uh, we, combat's not over. Knack Feldspar, you're next. <laughs> um, of course, to the to the thing in the corner. Get him! And Andis, man, I gotta keep you up in this fight because you're the only one doing massive damage to it. Take some stamina back. Inspiring boost. Here's 21 <laughs> points of stamina back to Andis. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Dope. That is your turn, right? That's your entire turn. Yup. Standard Alindra Ballas, back to you. Okay, question. If I took, if I went five steps forward, there's a <laughs> corner there. Can I attack from there or no? Uh, you can. Both you and it will be getting a plus four cover bonus from one another, from <laughs> from attacks. <sighs> okay, I'm just going to stay where I am and use my sonic pistol and probably fail. But we'll see how it goes. Okay. Oh, oh critical fail. Oh no. <laughs> well, oh jeez. I think listeners, I think this is what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> I'll probably fail critically. Um yeah, well something has to balance out Andis doing max damage on that last deck. The universe is Alindra's in. really distracted, is this, guys. Is this the first crit fail that Alindra has ever had? No. No. Jeez, no. no. Louise. Uh this one is from Submitted by Fumarole. I don't think I've seen this one before. It's pretty simple. It's called Ricochet. Maybe now is a great time to mention that uh, we have all these crit fails in a form that you can print out thanks to Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Thanks. Physical deck. (laughs) So it's like uh, six or seven sheets of paper. You can print them out and it's got a cool back to it and, and use it when a crit fail comes up in your table game. If you don't want to go on to our website, cosmiccrit.com, and use the digital version. We're, we're trying to make it nice for you guys that don't play online like us. So, Ricochet, your attack ricochets off the targets, one of these 
plates of armor and the sonic energy just comes right back at you. You have to make another attack roll against yourself and you double the range to the target, but that won't make an effect. So make another attack roll. This is going to be against your EAC. Mm. Now you want to roll low. <laughs> yeah, and of course I, I roll a 17. Uh, 19 would get him. <laughs> oh, great. No, but it, it's EAC, right? So it's 21, EAC. that's not going to hit. Yeah, no, she Nack didn't say get him to a Unfortunately, Nack wasn't like, kill her! Kill her now! She saw something she wasn't supposed to in the dreaming pool. <laughs> uh, that is your turn, bringing us to Edros Baranus. You're right in front of this thing. Uh, okay. I'm going to... How do I want to handle this? Uh, I guess I'm going to take a swing first. With the plasma? So just, uh, yeah, I, I, the only other thing I have is the Kish Axe that's readily available. And mm-hmm. it's it's I don't know if this if it would, uh, since it's archaic, I do not know if it will you know help with this armor. So I will just take the Plasma Doshko. So I, I will tell you that uh, archaic armor really only gets the, the negative two damage when you're, you're fighting something in modern, you know, put together armor like you guys are wearing. Yeah, which is why I asked you what kind of armor it looked like it had. And since... It doesn't seem like a draws can really tell if it's modern or or, or archaic itself. No, it's it's then, just like put together pieces that are like glued to it. You know, there it's not a suit of armor. It is like random trash. <laughs> uh, for okay. What looks like you know scales basically. Okay. Then what I'm going to actually do is move back. Uh, Adras is going to move about 20 feet backwards, and while he's moving, oh. he's going to put the plasma doshko away, and he's going to pull out the Kish Axe, and he is going to ready a charge attack. Okay. I will warn you that uh, this is going to provoke an attack of opportunity. I didn't realize it had a melee weapon. So It does. Edros didn't see it either, so <laughs> yep. <laughs> what looks like a pseudopod, you know, kind of like a slither of ooze comes out as you're stepping away from it and slaps you on your backside. Slamming in. Ooh, 17 on the dice. That's a hit. Uh, this does a little less damage, I think, but we shall see. Let me roll some dice here. Uh, this is 21 points of damage. Uh, this is bludgeoning, though. Just slams into your back as you are running away and changing okay. out weapons. Okay. And that is your turn bringing us to back to Ramy Quindar. All right. He's going to toss another arcing surge at the monster. Mm-hmm. All right. Rolled for 39 points of damage. So go ahead and roll your, your save there. Another reflex save. Let's do this. Ooh, not too high. What What is the DC on this? 19. 19. I have rolled an 18. So it has taken a lot of damage from this. Yes! 39 ah. points of damage. Same Feel thing. that. The, the, the job, damage Ramey. reduction does seem knock off some of that, but ooh boy. Another big one. Okay, it is hurting. Uh, you've knocked off a few of its plates. Big pools of uh, gross-looking fetid orange juice, you know, have... Uh, pooled around it. It is its turn. It's still got its weapons drawn, and I think I think damage-wise <laughs> on this last turn, Raimi and Andis are getting a shot each. No! Right next to these... Oh, it's coming to you, so first laser shot. Raimi, what is your EA cell? Oh, I've rolled, I've rolled okay. You, it is a hit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and this as a hit, Tony. Get the damage back out. Ramy, the laser bolt ripping through your leg does 25 points of flame damage. Boo! And this 147, <laughs> another one scorching your, your arm that's holding this Kish weapon for 22 points. <laughs> that is its entire turn. We're back to top of turn three and it's 147. All right. This turn, I'm going to overcharge my weapon. Oh boy. And boost it per the weapon. Oh, oh my gosh. So here we go. It's a natural 20! What? It's a natural 20! Oh my. Oh my goodness. So, critical hit. This thing is, like many things on Istamek, immune to critical hits. Istamek is garbage. What is it about this floating island that makes people immune to crits? You're you're garbage, Miles. Don't you call my monsters garbage? There's no your monster literally has garbage on it. Yeah, it's oozing rancid orange juice. It's garbage. This thing is made of garbage, so I get what you're saying, but still, uh, it is still (laughs) a lot of damage in your boosting and overcharging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's just roll that right here. Okay. So this is gonna be this is gonna be uh, thirty-five points of damage total. Oh, oh my! Is that your entire battery doing that? I have ten more charge on that battery. <laughs> that took twenty charge to do that. Wow! <laughs> just wow. A, just a little bit. <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's see here. Dude, it is. It is barely still up from that hit, but it is still up. Uh, you basically have cut this thing in half, and half of it is like wiggling around. It still thinks it's alive. The other half looks like it's about to die, and part of it just kind of sloths away into a puddle. And it's been reduced to like almost half of its size, half of its armor knocked off. It is still up though. Knack Feldspar, what do you want to do? Uh, get him and uh. Raimi, uh, you're doing some damage, buddy. Get Stay in this fight. Here's 21 stamina, inspiring boost. All right. Okay, Alindra Vallis, we're back to you. Yeah, I'm just going to stay where I am and supernova. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's turn three, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. I've, I've lost track once again. That's my fate as GM. <laughs> Uh, you are indeed what ten feet away? Just, just yeah, barely. Yeah, ten from the monster and nobody else. Why didn't I see this coming? Uh, go ahead and roll that, and I'll roll my reflex. I think that counts. Do I need to move by like five feet? I can do that. No, it's fine. Okay, that is thirty-nine oh, damage unless they make legs. a reflex save. Uh, so DC eighteen, I have made the reflex save, and it does seem. Like this thing is, this is flame damage, correct? No. Yes. Fire damage. It does seem like it has resistance to fire. So right off the bat, some of that is getting lopped off. Right. Uh, but it is it's so much explosive fire force, even with the fire resistance, even with the DR, you blow this thing to smithereens. Yeah. <laughs> and we nice. are out of combat. Woo. <laughs> uh, the creature falls before you and you see weapons and like different materials uh, just kind of fall off of the the liquid. Its main core (laughs) 
turns to pulp, leaks out from the scratch-built armor into a pool in front of you that forms into letters at your feet, spelling out the words, to be continued. Oh! <laughs> Ooh's got him! This thing is made of loot, guys. It's made yeah. of treasure that you get to, you get to have next week. Hooray! Patrick, is that a, Patrick, is that a scavenger slime? This was indeed. This is a... I knew it. This is from the Alien Archive and a pretty, pretty tough little monster unless you do mm-hmm. roll like max uh, on a ton of damage dice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of uh, eights and sixes rolled on respective dice. Indeed. We have a lot more of the foundry, the temple found to explore next week. Are you guys ready? So, uh, possibly. Mm. That This was just a little taste of what is <laughs> in store for you here. Oh. I also think Alindra has a few things to talk to Andis in particular about, mm. given their past on Kalathu 7. She's learned some things about that place. That's going to do it for us this week. We will, oh. we will return episode 45 next week. But that's going to do it for episode 44. Thank you guys for playing with me. Thank, Thank you. you, Patrick. And we will see you next week. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Good night. Crit bit commencing in 3, 2, 1. Crit bit initiated. Hello, everybody. We are back for another crit bit. And this is Patrick, your GM, a.k.a. the guy that you just listened uh, make that game that we, we just played. I am joined here by uh, two of our players. Uh, say hello, Drew. Hello. And Miles. Say hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. And we are joined by a special guest this evening returning, I think... One of our first returning guests to podcast and a crit bit. You may know him as Twill from Saving Throws Starfinder stream Deep Water Deep. It's Dan Peck. Hey, Dan. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I, wow. Am I, am I really the first returning guest? I think, I think you are. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's going to go right to my head. We. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, got another couple returners uh, in the future, but uh, we're excited to to get you back on and talk about a couple things that's been going on. So what, what's up? What, what's been happening with you? Well, I mean, most importantly, um, I am wearing my pronk D 20 shirt. I mean, like of all things that are important, (laughs) that must be, it's no knack shirt, but I'm not rolling (laughs) dice right now. So this will just have to do, I suppose. I love that. Tyler has coined a phrase that's not even for his character. (laughs) (laughs) But it is um, for his favorite character, so yeah, I don't but, even know if that's true. <laughs> those will, will surely stay in the store, but uh, uh, pronk pronk shirt is forever. <laughs> and it was yeah, like the, yeah. The last show, thing show her you love her with a pronk shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> have my my sales for that shirt. Uh, my pitch is uh, have all your friends come up to you and be like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is that? It, well, it, it it's very much replaced my what the frack shirt in my rotation of shirts. So I'm getting the same question, but for a new shirt with, you know, uh sharper print on it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Retire that shirt. We don't need more. More frack shirts. Talk about that pronk lifestyle. Um, we should <laughs> m- mention that our uh, our challenge, you might not even know this, Dan, 
for our fans in July is to make up a new cuss, a new uh, dirty wordy for for the podcast, or, or just a That's general sort of, a general colloquialism, an, an exclamation to be used. That sounds a lot like what I do at work. <laughs> <laughs> All fudge. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you are going to get some awesome responses and some horrifying oh. responses, and I hope oh, you yeah. post all of them just like make a reddit of just like here's the winner here's second place here's them all just alphabetical easy to search (laughs) and you know and i think you'll be able to have enough words that you could probably like form the cosmic crit language like people learn dothraki people learn you know the avatar language why not have your own language and just have every (laughs) word be a curse you know eskimos have what 30 words for snow you could have you know Half a dozen words for beep and beep. <laughs> Six words for prunk. Wait, did, did people actually learn the avatar language? That's what I think they want us to believe. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, how about <laughs> we move on from from the land of uh, blue-skinned aliens into the land of maybe uh, blue-skinned androids and, mm. and talk a little bit about Starfinder this week. Let's. We do that a lot on this, this show. I don't know if you've uh, gathered. Listeners. I do. I do also. I find I do it a lot in my personal life, even if I, it's a one-sided conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time we had you on, we we were talking about homebrewing, and in particular the campaign that you're GMing at home, um, mm-hmm. which had a very cinematic opening. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if at that point, I think we we talked off air maybe about uh, how your players reacted to it. Um, how, yeah. how many how many uh, games have you gotten in in that? So, um, so including that prologue, um, it ended up being ten sessions, and we just finished what I've called book one of the major overarching story. Um, so I, I you know I can talk about it because if my players are listening, they already know that <laughs> the universe is screwed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was fantastic writing myself into every conceivable corner and then, you know, figuring out solutions to said corners, usually while in the shower. Um, so, um, <laughs> we just had the, uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you the long story short, the, yeah, the big dramatic finish of the prologue was they escaped the downship and woke up three, three solar systems away from where they should have been in two years had passed and didn't know how they'd gotten there. Um, so through a series of excavation sites and clues and investigating, uh, they found out that there was something going on in the center of the sun, the burning mother, which there are magical cities on uh, the surface of it so that there are uh, people can actually live there. And they found three ancient Solarian stones at uh, a dig site in Akaton, uh, which led them to uh, a previously undiscovered tunnel that took them to the center of the sun and inside the center of the sun was another magical bubble and inside of it was the physical embodiment of entropy playing off of that the solarians are not so much about uh, you know light and dark that they are about uh you know creation and destruction and the balance of that and their npc friend who had recently uh, manifested solarian powers ended up being possessed by entropy and entropy broke free from its prison and my players did not take the hint to run as quickly as I hoped they would because entropy was attacking the barrier inside the sun so they managed to escape and they're like we need to tell someone but they find that the sun is uh, evacuated and 
that a month has passed and what their uh, successful skill checks in the in uh, physical science was that they had been victims of time dilation. If you've seen Interstellar, it's the it's actually you know part of Einstein's theory of relativity that the closer you are to a significant source of gravity, um, time moves slower than further than it does if you're further away from the center of gravity. So whereas 10 minutes had passed for them, a month had passed in the outside universe where entropy had been destroying worlds for that month straight. And that was where the chapter ended. It's like they inadvertently, you know, they weren't to blame for this being being released, but but that was also how they were able to be missing for two years and be so far off course in a ship that wasn't drift travel. They basically created a black hole. <laughs> See, this is why you're a better writer than I, because I would just have been like, the space magic did it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking into Einstein's theory of relativity to give you excuses to move the plot I mean, forward. It was Wikipedia. It's not like, you know, I don't have textbooks or anything here. You and your fancy. I didn't even take... Internet dictionary. In high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did. I took physics in high school, but it was like, you know, force and mass. It was like the basics. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad said the only thing he remembered from high school physics was that if you're trying to shoot a monkey falling out of a tree, aim low. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel invested in listening to tales of your homebrew campaign. I, I love to listen to everyone talk about their their homebrew campaigns, whether it be Pathfinder, Starfinder. There's a lot of very interesting ones out there. I feel like you're tapping in, though, some pretty, uh, I mentioned this last time you were on, cinematic um, ideas, you know, like the sun cracking open and, and stuff like <laughs> that. This huge chamber. It's it's uh, sounds cool. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your players. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I hadn't just spoiled how the entire chapter uh, goes, I could have run it for you guys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey. The rest of our players haven't That's true. yet, so... Yeah, just, oh, do I write an know. alternate ending? It's like, you know, do I have space in my brain for that? And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> you just reset time, and it's like uh, a Tesseract did it. You get a second Perfect. chance to beat the um, the entropy monster, your friend. We'll, fi- we'll fire up the Omega-13. Yes. <laughs> Wham. Uh, oh, boy. So besides your homebrew campaign, which uh, sounds like it's going gangbusters, I'm excited to hear more about book two in the future. Yeah, I don't uh, know when that's going to be. Scheduling is hard. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm well, jealous of your weekly record schedules, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah, they get interrupted every once in a while, too. Things happen. Life happens. Yeah. <laughs> They're not always super easy to keep either. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and keep on track. Uh, I think half the time I'm GMing. <laughs> what I cut out of the episode is when I'm just like, all right, let's get back to it. <laughs> I say that maybe five times an episode, everybody. GM yep. trick. Um, but l- let's talk about you not GMing, but uh, as a player on the Saving Throw show. Let's talk about Deep Water Deep, which in its initial run, was it five episodes, six episodes? No, only three. Got it. Felt well, they were like four hours, right? They were pretty intense. Yeah, we were not keeping to our designated clock because we were just <laughs> one. Uh, I was the only person aside from our GM Tyler Rhodes who had uh, read the book. No, no disrespect to my fellow players, um, just because I'd run the game. Um, so that was taking up time, but also we were just having 
chaotic fun. So you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, those were a lot of fun. And now we're back with like a full season, I guess, for for saving throw action. Yes. Which started off with, um, like you said, kind of like a prequel chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was a result of uh, scheduling and availability. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amazing thing is we got two new characters out of uh, out of that. And, um, you know, we we love these characters as much as the viewers do. So, you know, any excuse where we can be like, what are these people up to? We're, we're going to take that. So, uh, <laughs> although, although there's four main crew members in essence, there really are six. Like we have a, a bit of a, you know, rotating cast. Yeah. Well, that, that's fun. That is how, you know, a lot of people sometimes play their tabletop role-playing games. They call it, um, West marches where you might have like 10 people in your game group, but maybe, maybe only four of them can show up on any given week. So it's kind of like a, a rotating um, roster of, of heroes that can be called in at any time. Um, it's like on shows with like a big cast and it's like, you can tell that, Oh, they couldn't get two of the actors this <laughs> week. So they only have a scene in the beginning and the end. Oh, this is a bottle episode because <laughs> it's only these three characters the entire time. Uh, yeah. So that's going strong, I guess. Uh, season two or your first full season. And- I, I keep I keep saying that the initial three episodes were the pilot and we got picked up to series now. So this is <laughs> yeah. season one. Well, that's good. <laughs> I, I, I was rallying uh, for you guys for a while. I was like, when you bring him back Starfinder. On the oh, believe me, we were doing the same to the powers that be. <laughs> yeah, no, there needs to be a, a full Starfinder night. And, you know, if, you, if you're not able to do um, your your full game, then do one of those kind of prequels or do like a, a little side story. Cause I think those would be a lot of fun as well. Well, we're going to be doing a side story very soon. Ooh, say what? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to be uh, GMing the episode on July 10th um, because uh, Tyler is going to be unavailable and he asked if I would fill in. So we are going to be doing uh, basically a little bit of a fun side story uh, involving our, entire main cast. Mm. Um, I don't want to give away the details, um, but it's definitely going to be a little bit of a different flavor than our regular episodes. Whereas um, we've been going with a bit of a firefly, you know, frontier space mm-hmm. feel for our main show. Um, this one is, how can I put this delicately? This is going to be, um, if you were to crawl inside of my head and see all <laughs> the nerdy things that are happening all the time, a visual representation of that. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. You just you flash a flashlight into the corner, and Jean Luc Picard is in a rocking chair, I'm like "Hello, <laughs> <laughs> the corner of Dan's mind." <laughs> yeah, he's up there too. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be um, yeah a, a standalone. I'm gonna try to keep it as canonical as possible, but you know we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah, plans get blown up. You know, I, I mean, you don't know. I mean, you know. As as someone who runs a game and as you guys who play it, planets blow up in this system. So yeah, it it, it could happen. Yeah, you just gotta make sure you're you've fueled up your starship. Get ready to get out of that system. Drop of a hat. Um, make sure that drift drive is in proper working order. Well, that's exciting. I'm I'm excited about that personally. Me too. I, I get done <laughs> with my uh, uh, usually playing pathfinder or starfinder or something tuesday nights and i love that you guys are west coast because you're you're still up like well into the evening when i'm uh, awake and can can flip you on but if if people want to catch up before then um 
you can on YouTube, right? Yes, uh, youtube.com slash saving throw show. Uh, all, all, all of the shows, uh, all the shows that the channel does um, are available usually within a week uh, on video on demand. Um, and yeah, check it out. There's uh, the, the people there are just fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because they're letting me play a game. It's just I've had such a blast and everyone there is just so welcoming. And they just celebrated their fifth anniversary on mm. Twitch, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, they're, you know, totally the, the, the entire channel is run on fan donations like no one's making money on this it's like mm-hmm. just keeping the lights on and you know dom zook who uh was the founder of the channel he's you know been doing this for five years and you know that's that's longer than star trek ran <laughs> yeah that's yeah <laughs> i i highly recommend checking it out live because there's a lot of very fun interaction with the chat um you can cheer on players um a couple bucks and uh give like re-rolls to people is that correct yeah yeah and we usually have like tier unlocks where bigger and better things happen and i was actually talking with dom today designing what those bigger and betters are going to be for my session so i very highly recommend checking out um live uh twitch.tv slash saving throw show it's um it's a lot like the hunger games where it's like uh you get to be the people cheering on your favorite champion, you know, seeing if they live or die. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels a lot like that sometimes. <laughs> the the mouse hovering over the uh, the cheer button. It's like, hmm, maybe they don't get to re-roll this combat. <laughs> they <laughs> just joke. pleased me when they let that uh, half-orc go. <laughs> that joke they told was a six at best. No cheer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get a golf clap and that is it. You get a, a clap emote. <laughs> that is it, sir. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's awesome. I can't wait. If you're listening to this uh, when this episode goes live, that will be tomorrow. <laughs> right? Oh, God, after. I'm not ready. Yeah, Starfinder uh, for night for us is usually Mondays. That's when our episodes release. You guys are Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh boy, ten o'clock Eastern. If memory serves, uh, no. eleven. Oh, wait, eight no, wait, Pacific. Eight. Wait, our game is. <laughs> we we'll so I don't know. We started eight. Yeah, eleven o'clock Pacific. Eleven o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I. That sounds. That sounds like a good time. Uh, so check that out live, or check them out on YouTube if you want to catch up. Lots of fun to be had there. Yeah, yeah. I I can't recommend it enough um uh are you going to are going to roll some crits tomorrow dan and are they going to be made into uh gifts afterwards i hope so there are there there's a few people who are just like consistently gifting the stream and they are champions and i thank them for their dedication to it you gotta you gotta do like you gotta do some crazy arm gestures or like a dance after that that natural 20 yeah and then it'll be immortalized. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have I have a meeting with my choreographer first thing in the morning, and we're <laughs> gonna go over a couple of a couple of steps, you know, just you know, little step ball change, you know, stuff that you can't see underneath the table. Alrighty, well, if you've got to get up in the morning for that, maybe we should wrap up this crit bit so you can prepare for your game mentally, physically <laughs> tomorrow. Thanks so much for being here again. Thank you for having me. I'm more than happy to come on by and shoot the breeze. <laughs> this will this will be the the audio clip that we play when you come back a third time. It's like two time guest in our crit pit, Dan Peck. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get that legendary level of like the people who've host, hosted Saturday Night Live, like double digits, like mm, this, the smoker's jacket. The, yeah, I'm, the I'm working on it room. with you guys. Yeah, we'll make a private Discord channel <laughs> for yes. uh, for our next conversation. Uh, thanks again. And Miles Drew, thank you guys for being here as well. Chat. Thank you for having us nerd stuff stuff. (laughs) on our own show Uh, hey you know what i thank you okay you take the time you're here you're listening (laughs) we appreciate it and thank you everyone for listening that's gonna do it for this crit bit uh episode 44 listen saving throw tune in tuesday nights and and cheer them on uh thanks everybody have a great night Bye bye